Support for Need to Know comes from the Carnegie Corporation of New York, supporting innovations in education, democratic engagement, and the advancement of international peace and security. Learn more at Carnegie.org. Welcome to the Need to Know podcast from the Wilson Center, a podcast for policymakers available to everyone. Always informative, nonpartisan, and relevant, we go beyond the headlines to understand the trend lines in foreign policy. Welcome back to the Need to Know podcast. This is Aaron, your host. And of course, you know, we can't really have a foreign policy discussion podcast without talking about what's going on in Eastern Europe right now with the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And so we have our senior associate within the Kennan Institute. Joe Dresden is here to talk to us about all of this. And of course, I always try to put a little disclaimer that we can't really get into Putin's mind at the Wilson Center, but we certainly do try to analyze the trends and see as best we can. So, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Uh, great to be here, Aaron. And the last place I want to be is in Putin's mind. That and about 7 billion other people in the world, probably. So, okay, so there's a lot to really unpack with the with the Ukraine invasion. And we're, we're not we're not a news organization here We're we're in the analysis business. So um, I guess I want to start off by asking you your immediate thoughts on this invasion and why Putin is doing what he's doing to the what seems to be the detriment of Russia. Well, Aaron, you and I spoke earlier, and we were both wondering why he went ahead and invaded when he actually seemed to have greater latitude of negotiation maneuver uh, before launching the invasion. And I, I think basically what it comes down to it is, first of all, for uh, Vladimir Putin, this is not business, it's personal. He deeply feels it when he says that Ukraine and Russia are one united people, and that he feels that Ukraine is not a real country, that it's a historic mistake that Ukraine ever existed as an independent nation, that it has always belonged to uh, a Russian land controlled from Moscow, whether it be Soviet or pre-Soviet. And he's trying to correct that historical mistake. Uh, the second aspect of his decision to launch is his track record using the Russian military uh, since he became president. It started with a devastating but victorious war against Chechen separatists in 2000. Uh, then, uh, eight years later, he detached two provinces from Georgia after a brief war in 2008. These are two separatist regions that were sort of set up, supported, and instigated uh, through Russian maneuvers. But uh, uh, the result was a quick war with, with, uh, with Georgia and... Europe intervened to try and uh, have negotiations, but uh, the end result was we have two new independent, recognized by a few nations of the world, provinces uh, in Georgia. Go up to 2014, Russia, uh, or even before 2014, Russia uh, sent material and forces to Syria to defend his client, and his client is still in power. Assad is still in power, and U.S. retreated from the region. Then in 2014, uh, in response to the uh, revolution of dignitary on Kiev's Maidan, uh, President Putin decided that he would send forces into Crimea covertly and overtly. They were the so-called little green men. Uh, 
they annexed Crimea and held a staged referendum uh, in which, granted, most of the population there was Russian speaking of Russian descent. Maybe a majority did want to annex to uh, or to accede into the Russian Federation, but that's not quite how things get done in you know post World War II Europe. Uh, you do not seize territory by force. And then he also set up two separatist wars in uh, Donetsk and Luhansk. Those were raging very quietly, simmering, I don't know. But 14,000 casualties between 2008, uh, 2014 and, uh, and the, the, the uh, recent invasion uh, were you know, incurred on the Ukrainian side of things. So the, President Putin has had a track record of using his military, using it uh, effectively to create quote unquote, facts on the ground that are to his favor. And he's done that. And he's, from, from Putin's vantage point, he probably considered that he wins when he acts decisively and creates facts on the ground. And I think that's what he tried to do with his recent invasion of Ukraine. Well, and you reminded me while you were speaking there about what he creates is facts on the ground and supporting separatist uh, provinces and, and creating the ability to go in and say, hey, we were called to help. I, I was in Moscow a couple of years ago and went to their state history museum. And you go through the the gray areas of the 90s and the revolution. And then you walk into this very brightly lit room about Putin's history with Russia since he became the leader. Uh, and at the end of it is a little display about Crimea, which basically says, hey, they asked for our help and we went in and we helped them, which I think is the situation he's tried to cultivate. But he's been able to use all of these military efforts, 2000, 2008, 2014, without really getting much, much ire out of the international community. Now, it seems that that's completely reversed, that the international community seems to be solidly against him, and he is facing a huge amount of sanctions. The, the, the Russian economic system appears to be in freefall. Maybe you have some, some better insight on that than what we're seeing in the news. It doesn't seem like it's going like he thought he would, it would go. I think you hit it exactly right. It's not going like he thought it would. I think he assumed that there would be uh, continued disunity among uh, Western Alliance members and internationally. I think he assumed that he would get a lot more apathy, indifference, and even maybe some support from certain quarters. He didn't get any of that. And I think the scale of the operation that he launched, the bleed up to it, in which I think uh, the United States and its European allies did a very fine job of, I think, winning the initial information warfare in that uh, they called out and they forecasted and they predicted uh, every single Russian tactic employed to create a provocation that they could blame on Ukrainians to uh, insist that this was uh, a, a fear of NATO expansion when in, in truth it was uh, Putin's belief that uh, you know Ukraine is not a real country and they are uh, taking back their own lands. Um, I think Putin really believed in his heart of hearts that there were uh, Russian speakers in Ukraine who longed to be part of, uh, you know, Russia once again, the, the Ruski Mir, the Russian world that President Putin has been pushing almost since he got into office. This idea that there's a civilizational Russian space that is uh, historically guided from Moscow and he is, you know, uh, restoring those lands back to Moscow. 
in a, in a sense, he maybe considered himself something of a Peter the Great figure going out and, and, and restoring the Russian Empire to you know past glory. Um, it's not working. It's not working the way planned. Uh, the, the invasion has made NATO members fully united uh, against the invasion, including uh, Orban of Hungary and Erdogan of Turkey, who had been relatively friendly towards President Putin for the past years, to much of the consternation of many NATO allies. Um, and there's unity on sanctions, and we'll talk about this, you know, in more depth. But I mean, the Russian ruble is at a record low. Uh, his foreign currency uh, reserves that he had built up over the past years to $630 billion, much of that is frozen in foreign bank accounts. Uh, ATMs in Moscow are running out of uh, uh, foreign currency, uh, dollars especially. Uh, Russia's stock market is actually closed after falling uh, a, a great deal. The interest rate shot from 9.5 to 20%. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of not a good result for uh, Putin. Uh, on the home front. That's, that is for sure. And just to give our listeners some context, just so that everyone knows we're recording this on March 1st, uh, in the early afternoon, Washington DC time, you mentioned something that, uh, I want to dig a little deeper on before we go a bit more into the sanctions piece, because you've mentioned it a couple of times. I know that comparisons to world war two are sometimes overstated. Um, but I want to get the expert opinion on this because a lot of what you said, it sounds a lot like what we heard in the thirties about the Sudetenland. We just need to, to reunite the German speaking areas. And that's all we really want to do. What's the comparison here? It really does sound like there's some comparison to be made. And I'm curious what your expert uh, view on that would be. Well, so the one area where, uh, comparisons to world war two, just fall utterly short is that Putin is no Hitler figure. He's not going to round uh, people up into concentration camps and exer exterminate them. He's not like that at all. I hope, <laughs> but what he is, is a classical uh, Russian power figure. I think he's read so much history that he thinks that he conducts, he can conduct modern statecraft in, you know, pre Oh, you know, UN pre-World War II, even pre-World War I terms where great powers get to determine, uh, you know, borders. Uh, they get to influence, if not dominate, the, the fates of smaller nations around them. And if they have the military uh, might to do so, they can act unchecked until they're actually checked. Uh, I think um, Putin's finding himself getting checked right now. I also thought of the yeah, another Russian leader, Nicholas II, who was seeking a short glorious war, short victorious war, or a good little war, uh, ended up in the, the Russo-Japanese War, and that didn't go as planned either. So talking about sanctions, you're talking about the uh, situation that Putin finds himself in is one where he thought he could really conduct this. It seemed unchecked. He's being checked. Um, what is the situation within Russia as we start to see these sanctions and moves on financial institutions start to bite? How does this play out within Russia? Uh, and, and I guess for the, the people of Ukraine, as the invasion continues, how does this play out over the next few days? So again, we're at very early stages of this war. Um, Ukraine has done a fantastic job so far of slowing the Russian advance. 
I think Putin thought that uh, he would be able to capture a lot more territory with a lot less resistance than he's encountered so far. Uh, so right now, uh, war forces are moving towards Kiev, uh, and Ukraine will not be able to do a great deal to stop it, but they can resist and, and increase the cost for Russia. And at the same time, Western allies, they can't intervene militarily because at the end of the day, Russia is a nuclear power. It is one of two major nuclear powers on Earth. So you never want to get this conflict escalate to a point where the two you know, nuclear armed nations, United States and Russia, are actually shooting at each other directly because that could easily spin out of control very quickly. In terms of how things are playing out at home, again, uh, Russians are listening to state TV, by and large. They are, uh, by and large, still behind Putin. Um, there have been, obviously, recent economic travails, but those have not you know, fully sunk in yet. It's early days. So we will see over time how Putin's popularity holds up. I will say that in addition to the sanctions that have been put on Russia, uh, and sanctions alone are not really going to affect Putin very much. He's, you know, individually fantastically wealthy. He has control over state enterprises. He's never going to suffer uh, from economic privation. But what does sort of get to him is, is other non-economic sanctions type of activities. And, and that's starting to happen. Russia is getting kicked out of international activities like, you know, uh, like international soccer. Uh, Valery Gergiev, Russia's famous conductor, just got fired from conducting Munich Orchestra and, and several others for his you know, support of Putin, in, in, including during the invasion. Um, and, and there were previously events that seemed kind of improbable, if not impossible, uh, from other allies. For example, Germany has agreed not to open Nord Stream 2. Turkey has declared no military ships will be allowed through the Straits into the Black Sea, including Russian ships. Uh, the Swiss, for God's sake, froze Russian accounts of you know, 30 sanctioned individuals. This is, this is the Swiss. They've been neutral all through World War II. This is unprecedented. Uh, one Kazakh internet provider has dropped Russian television, and the Kazakh government has not supported the war. They have not opposed it, but they have not supported it. I mean, this is this is a country where Russia recently sent troops to help keep the uh, central government in power during protests there. So, yeah, it's it's uh, not a happy time for Putin, uh, and he's. I think it's showing when he talks to his advisors from across that incredibly ridiculously long table. Uh, you know, Putin's on one end, all by himself, and his advisors, whether it be military or economic advisors, are on the other end, looking very unhappy. Putin's yelling at them all the time. It's it's um, it's not a good look. Uh, well, that's why I wanted to ask you because it seems like there's these pressure points that are being applied, um, but also how much of that is just the Western media reading into this? He must be up unhappy because it's not going as according to plan. But what you say, I think, goes back to your the first point you make that this is personal for Putin. He is always tried to kind of recreate the grandeur of the previous Russian empire and, and Soviet empire and wants really Russia to have that seat at the table. And as you say, 
more so than financial sanctions, perhaps hitting the prestige issues of the conductor being fired and and the Olympics uh, situation, perhaps those are biting more in the short term and the financial stuff will come later. Assuming that the invasion of Ukraine just continues and let's imagine, you know, you know, that Ukraine doesn't hold on. Do the sanctions continue? What else does the the world have to offer when it comes to sanctions against Russia if Putin, like you say, doesn't really get affected by them personally and maybe he you know continues on his way out of ego or whatever what next I mean, is there, are we going to cut them off from oil sales or what what's next you know it's hard to predict especially the future according to yogi berra but uh, what i will say is i think these sanctions will stay in place i think uh you know we, we always hear about how patient uh putin is um He's going to find how patient the West is with this. And I think the fact that the example of Russian, uh, Ukrainian bravery in the fight, but also these incredible videos that we see shot from cell phones coming from the region, it's just going to further galvanize uh, international opinion against Russia. And I, I think uh, Putin woefully miscalculated on the effect of uh, just the imagery we're, we're getting out of Ukraine at this time. And those images are only promising to get worse. We saw, I think, just today, the use of cluster munitions in Kharkiv. Um, when you know apartment buildings start coming down, when hospitals start getting blown up, when we see more and more wounded uh, come on the, the screens of televisions across the world, we already have 400,000 Ukrainian refugees pouring into uh, Europe, including into Poland primarily, who's in... Uh, by the way, the, the reaction of these uh, neighboring states, Poland, Hungary, are far removed from what the reaction was when Syrian refugees were passing. They are being welcomed because Poland under th- and, and Hungary understand they were once part of the Warsaw Pact that, you know, uh, this could be them next if they weren't in NATO. Um, this could be, uh, you know, them next, including the, the Baltic states feel this way. That's why everybody is coming uh, to support basically uh, Ukrainians and Ukrainian people in this fight. They're with them uh, just emotional, right? And I think, uh, you know, in terms of, we're getting back to the question of how long can and Putin sustain this? I, I think this is just going to get worse before it gets better for him. Uh, I don't know what the end game is going to be. But I do anticipate that he's going to be a lot more brutal in the days ahead than he has been in the days behind us. Well, that is certainly not something to look forward to. And I I mean, it's one of those things of working at a foreign policy focused research place like the like the Wilson Center. We don't get any pleasure out of seeing this happen in Ukraine, even though we have to analyze it. This is this is horrible for the people of Ukraine. And. Not very good for the people of Russia who are having to deal with these sanctions as well and continued sanctions. So before we sign off, I, I just I just want to say that we need to point out that our, our our adversary in this is is Putin himself and and not the Russian people. Tens of thousands of Russians have protested this war. Individual Russians have you know resigned from various posts or uh, said publicly that they oppose the war. The more that we could keep this focus on what Putin is doing rather than describe what's happening to the Russian people, 
uh, the better off we will come on the other side of this. And I think the quicker we will. Uh, and we will find that uh, if we continue to differentiate between Putin, the leader, and the Russian people, uh, we'll be better served. Well, I appreciate that that clarification there. I think it's well well said and, and something that needs to be said. Uh, we are certainly happy to have you tracking this for us. And I'm hopefully, as even though you are very busy, uh, and I thank you for your time today, uh, I hope that we can get you back on and, and hear more of your analysis because this doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon and we know that it's an evolving issue and we didn't even touch on some of the other things like cyber and, and other areas that we could have touched on so i hope to be able to have you back i'm uh, glad to be at any time